Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast, where we have been taking a fresh look at Jesus in the Gospel of John. Today, we're in John chapter 7 and 8. Let's look at a time and place where people were divided. Rumors were spreading. Misinformation was rampant. Opinions and ideas were opposing. Expectations were mounting. Confusion was abounding. (laughs) All swirling around one controversial public character. And I'm not talking about America (laughs) these past, the U.S., these past couple years. Let's look in John chapter 7, verse 1, shall we? Read with me if you can. It says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders uh, there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time has not yet come. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. We're going to see as we go along, uh, man, there's a lot happening here that uh, we can relate to in our day and age. But we see uh, his brothers, Jesus' brothers here, and they still thought, apparently, that he would be a Messiah like they expected or wanted, this splashy public figure. You know, they were like, hey, you got to get in, you know, this big festival going on, you need to get there. You got to get some more likes and subscribes, you know, get some more followers on your page, on your YouTube channel. Um, uh, you know, you, you got to come on. You, you got to get yourself out there. You know, we want to get you up on the main stage here at the festival. We want you to be a headlining act, buddy. Of course, Jesus seems to to <laughs> resist, renounce uh, their, their urging Although he does sort of sneakily go to the festival later, which is interesting. Well, that's another conversation for another day. But look at this. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. I, I want to go on and just see how this, this whispering, this kind of fear, this cancel culture even, this uh, opposing viewpoints, all the misinformation. I want to just see how this continues uh, to swirl around Jesus. So I'm going to read 
a rather substantial portion here of John chapter 7 and 8. So bear with me. You can read along with me or listen along with me. And let's just see how this is developing. All right. Continuing in John chapter 7, verse 14. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does not uh, does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? <clears throat> Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you're all amazed. Yet because of Moses, because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it didn't come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he's the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. <clears throat> then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me and you know where I'm from. I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I'm from him and he sent me. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I'm with you for only a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You'll look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You'll look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He's the Messiah. Still others asked, How's, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. 
You mean he's deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Hey, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it. You'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Skipping to John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Well, where's your father? You don't know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you'll look for me and you'll die in your sin. (laughs) Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you're from below. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I'm he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I've heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, Look, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered, "Uh, We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room uh, for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you're doing what you've heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, 
If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I'm telling the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Whew, okay, we'll stop right there. Take a sip of coffee. (laughs) Wow. I know that's a lot of reading, but I I wanted to just capture the the sense. You know, there was so much disagreement surrounding Jesus. There was so much expectation, uh, misinformation. They, They didn't even know what town he was from. The people were so divided. It sounds like us these days. It really does. This is the world that Jesus stepped into and kind of helped to create, actually. uh, They were so divided and he was so polarizing. Uh, You know, what strikes me is, is just seeing how Jesus seemed to confound everyone's expectations for who he should be, who he was supposed to be. Everyone wanted him to be a, a you know some kind of way and he just confounded all their expectations he's still confounding our expectations i mean think about it. who who do we want jesus to be you know look just look at our world look look at our world here at least in the us you know the left right everyone talks about the right and the left the left well they want the woke jesus progressive Jesus. The right wants Jesus, the righteous judge. Make everyone do what's right. Punish the evildoers. Many want Jesus, the strong man. Others want Jesus, 
the gentle healer. You know, when I was little, Jesus seemed to me to be kind of like a like a hippie Mr. Rogers. <laughs> like he was walking around with a peace sign and, you know, just say, hey, let's all be neighbors. <laughs> then when I was in college, he seemed to me more of like a like a revolutionary, like a, you know, a fighter, or maybe even like a WWF fighter. Like, let's throw down Friday Night Raw. Like, like that, that was the Jesus I was drawn to in college. So, so who is Jesus? Is he woke? Is he progressive? Is he a strong, righteous judge, a champion for the truth? Is he a man of compassion and gentleness? Is he a revolutionary, a mighty warrior? Yes. <laughs> yes to all. Yes. He is the great I am. That's what got him in trouble here at the end. He said before Abraham was born, I am. I am. They knew that he was making a claim to divinity, a claim to be the I am of the Old Testament. <laughs> Who's your Jesus? And how will we know the truth? How will we know the real Jesus? I think we're all wanting, trying to get Jesus to fit our box. Every side of the argument, every one of us is doing that. We too have kind of these ideas of, well, Jesus is like this. Jesus would respond like this. But I really wonder, guys, if Jesus were, you know, decided to his incarnation to be now. I think a lot of us would be like these people that I just took so long to read about. Arguing and fighting like, wait, wait, no, no, he's like this. Wait, no, he should be like this. He should be more accepting. He's too accepting. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, but, but how do we know? Well, let me read you. Here's how we do it. Let me read you just two lines from Jesus. John 7, verse 17. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. That was John 7, 17. Look at this, John 8, 31. He says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hold to the teachings. Do the will of God. There must be an obedience on our part a surrendering of our own will, our own agenda to his agenda. We've, we've got to, to release what we think Jesus would be, how we think he would act. And we need to get in the scriptures. This is why we're getting into John this, this fall, going into the winter and the holidays now, because we're just looking back at Jesus I think each one of us will find some surprising things about Jesus and the way 
he would respond differently than perhaps the way we've been responding to things and situations and people this past year and a half. Just obey, surrender to his will, his agenda. Get back in the Bible. We need, you know, we need to get, I think sometimes we're so engrossed in so many other materials, so much media, you know, so much Facebook, so many books, so many quote experts and, and amen for trying to learn and be educated and well-rounded, but we best get back to the truth of the word and the truth of the man who was the living, breathing word. Because I think Jesus often shocked people in the way he handled situations. What's going to happen when we do this? Something awesome. Something awesome. John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. Come to me and drink and living water will flow from within you. Has I don't know about you, has, has, that, has that described you lately? Alive with living water of Jesus? Filled with the life of Christ coming out of you? Man, it's been hard to keep, I feel uh, so many days that like, man, the river's drying up for me. I got to come back to Jesus. And as I do that, as I submit to him, come back to the stream, the source, you know, Jesus will often surprise you, challenge you. He may even confound or confuse us. I can almost guarantee he will if you're doing it right. But if we keep coming to him, he will give life. But it will be on his terms. Our job is to submit to his will, surrender, trust, and obey. Yesterday, I was out walking on the beach, just praying and just, just you know, working through, you know, just different things. And I thought, okay, I just, I just asked God, I asked Jesus, man, what, what should I pray about right now during this walk on the beach? I've got... My thoughts were kind of scattered, you know, and and the, what I what I sensed from the Holy Spirit was just pray about Jesus, <laughs> and so I did. I took I took to heart what I'm saying to you. I just I prayed and I just reflected on Jesus as I prayed. I just thank God for Jesus. And I thought about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and how. And I asked Jesus to bring some things back to life that I feel like have been dying. <laughs> Um, you know, certain hopes and faith and, and, and dreams, you know, and prayers that I've let die. And I just thought about Jesus, how he gives life and how he's given me life over and over again. And, and you know, and, and boy, then today I woke up and I was bothered by like some news stories I read about last night and just feeling upset about the deterioration of society. And, you know, and I was out praying and I just thought, God, what, what do I pray about today? I was out in the woods, went for a run, and, and what I sensed was the Lord's Prayer. 
the Lord's Prayer. Remember, I did a, Lisa and I did a series on the Lord's Prayer a few months ago. And I, so I just prayed through the Lord's Prayer. And it was just so good to work myself through the Lord's Prayer, each of the lines, each of the topics, pray through it, and just let Jesus minister to my heart, change my thinking, settle me down. And, and what I realize is I, so often what's there is angst, is, is I'm upset or I'm, I'm down or I'm this or that, or I'm just busy. But what's not there is the heart of Jesus, which is go love people. Go and show love. Anyway, that's how Jesus has been sort of confounding me. <laughs> but look, we live in confounding and confusing times. Jesus was a confounding and confusing man, but I'll just leave you with this to chew on. You know, uh, who who have you been wanting Jesus to be? And perhaps he's confounding you a little bit. I think today is just simply a challenge to come to Jesus really with humility, with humility. Let Jesus be Jesus. We need to stop trying to fit him into our mold. You know, we were made in his image, but we seem to want to remake him into our image all the time. That's what they were doing back in John 7 and 8. I think we're still doing it now, big time. Come back next time, and we'll keep digging into all this And uh, as we take a closer look at Jesus and the Gospel of John. And uh, let's see what He shows to us. Amen. We'll see you next time. Hallelujah.